This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Another systemic upheaval, if you will, in the court system. Seems that uh, there have been rulings that uh, since the fall were found to be in error by the Ontario Court of Appeals, highest court in the province. And it has to do with uh, something to do with uh, the, the jury makeup and how juries are selected. And apparently all of this got changed at the behest of Justin Trudeau and then uh, Justice Minister and Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould. Let's find out what it is that uh, we're discussing here. Joseph Newberger has joined us on the line, Global News Radio legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Joseph, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you? Very good. But uh, I guess I need clarification on this because they're saying like there could be hundreds of cases adjudicated since the fall that involve juries and they may have to uh, be tossed. You know, they've received a stay, uh, may actually have to go back to retrial at a great cost of time and money and so on and so forth. What is this all about? Yeah, so the government on September 19th of 2019 uh, brought in uh, Bill C. 75, and that made two significant changes. The one regarding the Court of Appeal decision from yesterday was that um, there are no longer any preemptory challenges. So for 150 years or longer, when picking a jury, the Crown and Defense had the right to excuse jurors for whatever reasons they deemed appropriate and, and they didn't disclose it to the court. The case that came out of Saskatchewan with the shooting of the Indigenous young man which resulted in an acquittal, angered Justice Ray, uh, Wilson Raybould at the time and the Prime Minister so much so that they chastised the jury and then decided to wipe out preemptory challenges in all jury trials so as to make a jury more inclusive. As a result of that, they put this legislation in place. And so effective on the 19th of September, any case that was going to trial, including homicides, you no longer had these preemptory challenges. And that got litigated. And many cases went forward when the first decision came down and accused individuals for murder trials, sex assault, et cetera, didn't get to have preemptory challenges. Court of Appeal has now ruled that the legislation, although constitutional, does not apply backwards in time, so retrospectively, and that anybody who was in the system at the time that this amendment came into place ought to have had those challenges, and um, now they get to have new trials as a result of this screw-up. So there could be, you know, dozens, hundreds of cases where appeals will now go forward because they were denied the right to have these peremptory challenges, and you're going to look at new trials across the country. All right, but again, uh, the watershed date is September 19th of last year, and right. if you were already in the system, having been charged, uh, you had the right to have your defense lawyer, along with the Crown, uh, challenge jury selection, correct? Absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, and so what happened was uh, somebody at lower courts here in Ontario decided after that date uh, there was no way you could have uh, jury selection challenged, but if you were already in the system, you had that constitutional right that should have carried over. And because they didn't allow that, I'm just recapping, I guess, to, yeah. for my own edification to see that I'm understanding you correctly, Uh that's why it was ruled by the Court of Appeals 
to be uh, an improper ruling and everybody out of the pool, the party's over. And so this dials back to uh, Justin Trudeau and Jody Wilson-Raybould inserting themselves into the justice system, which I guess might have been their prerogative, but it was done for, as you say, because they they didn't like the outcome of the case of Colton Bushy, the Indigenous man who was uh, trespassing on Gerald Stanley's property out there in rural Saskatchewan, and Stanley shot him dead. Uh, They didn't like the outcome, so they changed the system. That's exactly right. They may argue that somehow they they had something in the works to make jury selection more transparent, but I don't believe that for a moment. And this is knee-jerk legislation, but they did something else that was bad, just just to bring into the bear here. They also eliminated preliminary inquiries for cases with sentences of 14 years or less, which was basically sex assault cases. And the idea was to not re-victimize the victim. And so anybody who was in the system and had a prelim, that got wiped out. Now, the Court of Appeals a little while ago came back and said, no, 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 no. If you already made your election for a prelim, you get it. So a whole bunch of cases had to go back now and have their preliminary inquiries rescheduled, which could result in delays. So it's not just one, but it's two aspects of this legislation that the government screwed up. And what they could have done was put in a transitional provision so that this could have been avoided, but they didn't. And again, that was legislation that was knee-jerk as well. And in either case, I don't think it was necessary, but I'll leave that for somebody else to decide. But they certainly screwed this up because now there's lots of cases going back for prelims, and you can have many cases retried on homicide, sexual assault, or whatever because there are no challenges. An utter shame and uh, a complete waste of money and time. And it puts the criminal justice system uh, in a bit of chaos. Right. Uh, the interpretation being that they meddled with the justice system, maybe moved the goalposts. And uh, so is it on them or is it on the interpretation of the judges at the lower court level in Ontario that they got it wrong? Uh, it's, it falls at the feet of the uh, prime minister and the then justice uh, minister, which was Wilson Raybould. It's their fault. They could have put in a transitional uh, paragraph. They could have decided and said, look, this does not apply retrospectively. It's only prospectively. There would have been no pro- any problems then. They didn't do that. I'm not sure what advice they were getting from their Justice Department, but they should have done that. And it's, a, it's their fault. I don't blame the judge who made the decision in the first place. That judge is doing the best that he can, and sometimes there are errors made by judges, and that's why we have appeal courts. But this was Parliament putting in legislation, stepping right into the criminal justice realm, where I think it's an absurdity. Because although the the Court of Appeals says that it's not unconstitutional, and I have great respect for that panel, often defense lawyers and Crown attorneys will excuse individuals for preemptory challenges, not based on some secret thing like racism or anything like that, because you, you see that there's a potential juror who's not interested in being there. And we want interested and engaged jurors. Or there may be really informed ways that we're making our decisions, and it's been in place for over 150 years. And I don't think this has enhanced in any way, shape, or form, inclusiveness or diversity on the jury panel, but it's harm due process, and it's such a shame that this is the way it's resulted. Yeah, so there's a place for peremptory challenges, as you say. We've been doing that for 150 years uh, with the British common law tradition. Are uh, your colleagues-in-law as peeved at the Prime Minister and Justice Minister, the former Justice Minister, as you are? Yeah, I think by and large that the majority of, of lawyers, including Crown attorneys who are reasonable on this issue, are, are, are you know, very surprised by this legislation and have struggled with it. And now it's caused more problems for the Crown attorneys because of these appeals that's going to happen. So the majority of us are really quite miffed at it and don't think that this advanced the cause of inclusiveness and diversity on a jury panel. But Joe, there's more work now. 
I know, but you know, <laughs> it's you know, when you look at it from the flip side, you know, God forbid in a homicide case, the family who's gone through the trauma of a trial already. And, you know, I'm not deciding on the merits of the case. I'm a defense lawyer. But can you imagine for families, whether the person's guilty or not guilty, you got to go through this all over again? I mean, talk about re-victimizing people. The government has now done that. And it's just, and it was for no good reason. This all could have been avoided with a good transitional provision or not tinkering with something like this. And it's just a shame. And I feel bad for all those involved. Any prospect that some of these cases will actually not be retried? I mean, just basically uh, it's a wash, get out of here, uh, that kind of thing because of this little technicality? You know, that's an excellent question. There may be some cases which are not murders where it's less severe and the Crown looks at the overall time delay here and may have to withdraw. It's an excellent point. It, it, that may happen. Well, that's not good. That's not justice being seen to be done, but I guess uh, that's according to the rules that we have in place. Uh, which, let me ask you, and again, uh, I just wanted to pivot away from this, and uh, finally, uh, in closing, you know, because we've been following this Meng Wanzhou case, you and I have talked right. about it too in certain aspects, but and now there's a, an idea being floated. I, I read an op-ed piece in the Globe and Mail on the weekend that somehow, uh, you know, there could be a, quote, prisoner exchange, end quote, uh, even though we are you know, party to an international agreement uh, on extradition with the United States. Could the Attorney General and Justice Minister David Lametti uh, unilaterally free Meng Wanzhou just by fiat or decree? Well, it's ultimately up to the Minister of Justice as to what to decide. I mean, once the the extradition hearing is over, let, let's assume that they, the judge uh, says that there's an extradition hearing, commits the individual. The Justice Minister can decide, no, free them. It's totally within the purview of the justice minister because you would have a right of appeal to the justice minister to consider uh, committal and extradition. So they could exercise a political power and release the individual. But it would be, I think, from a political standpoint um, and from an international law standpoint, uh, real, really stupid to try and do some sort of prisoner exchange. It looks bad. Uh, I think this has to be litigated appropriately. I think the double criminality argument has a lot of sense to it, um, and I don't think the government should be engaging in that negotiation. But that's just me. I don't know. I, but they can, they, you know, the minister can and the government can sort of do what they want. All right. Well, we saw that they did that the last time, September nineteenth, by all <laughs> accounts. So. You are right, John. You are right. <laughs> all right, bringing it all back home. Uh, thank you very much, Joseph Newberger. You have a nice weekend. You too, John. Have a great show as usual. Take care. Again, Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.